Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, guys, yeah, you know Omaha Steaks, right? Steak! Exclamation point. Uh, for a limited time, you can find a variety of packages filled with beautiful Omaha Steaks. Beautiful. Um, plus other premium meats, side dishes, artisan desserts. Yummy. And so much more. I'm getting hungry for lunch, by the way. All ideal for Dad's special day. These packages come flash, flash, frozen, vacuum sealed, and delivered in a cooler uh, with dry ice safely to your door. That means fresher than fresh. All backed by Omaha Steaks' unconditional 100% money-back guarantee. Omaha Steaks is offering listeners a variety of amazing packages. Go to omahasteaks.com and enter the code LIBERAL, L-I-B-E-R-A-L, into the search bar for to unlock savings of 50% and more. With code LIBERAL, you'll receive free shipping uh, and a free one-pound package. Ooh, I'm getting hungry again. Mm-hmm. Of delicious applewood oh, smoked steak-cut bacon. The bacon. God likes this stuff, folks. <laughs> um, there are many more packages oh. available. OmahaSteaks.com. Enter the code LIBERAL in the search bar. Welcome back to the little podcast about how to stay sane when the obese 74-year-old junk food addict incumbent who can't handle ramps and needs a sippy cup has staked his re-election on calling his opponent feeble. Let's begin. Welcome to the Sanity Cast on the Stephanie Miller Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Uh, I'm John Fugelsang, and I love you like Donald Trump loves statues of dead white supremacists who owned, sold, and raped their human property. And that's, that's a lot of love. It's a time of roving squads of stormtrooper goons. It's a time of the most corrupt attorney general in history. It's a time when Mike Pence can go on TV and say Donald Trump has stood without apology for the sanctity of human life. Sure, unless the sanctity of human life we're talking about is a black person killed by cops, or unless we illegally assassinate people overseas, or unless you get COVID-19 because he spent four months mocking masks, or unless a mentally ill guy wants an AR-15 really fast, or unless we have Barr reinstate the federal death penalty, or unless you're an American soldier in Afghanistan and Putin wants to pay somebody for your death. Other than that, oh, the sanctity. Oh, the sanctity. This is a time when Winn-Dixie, my favorite horribly named Southern supermarket chain, Winn-Dixie, announced they're not going to require face masks in their 500 stores because they don't want to, quote, put our associates in a position to navigate interpersonal conflict. That's really what they That's really what Winn-Dixie, the most racist, white supremacist named supermarket chain in recent memory, is their reason for not requiring 
face masks in their stores. And here's the deal. It's one thing to make fun of uh, these idiots, but we can't anymore because COVID-19 is like secondhand cigarette smoke or AR-15s. The idiots aren't just hurting themselves. The idiots who for years allowed so much public smoking to get in so many innocent people's lungs, who to this day allow so many unstable people to get their hands on machines designed to kill lots of people really fast, and they won't do a thing about it. Every Republican politician you hear who complains about violence in Democrat cities, they're all the same Republican politicians who want to do nothing to make it harder for criminals to easily get guns. And COVID is the same. I hear a lot of friends on the left joke about these idiots, go ahead, go and win Dixie, infect each other. And it's like, it's not that simple. The shitty people can hurt the good people. We can't just make fun of their stupidity. Like AR-15s, like secondhand cigarette smoke, their selfish stupidity can get innocent people killed. That's where we're at right now with a president who still has no infrastructure plan, never had a health care plan. Cold's never coming back. He lied about helping the dreamers. Mexico's not paying for a wall. There's never going to be a wall, you dupes. He's not going to lock her up. Bill Barr cleared her. Fox News didn't report it, you dupes. Another tax cut for the millionaires did not help the deficit, and he has not kept Americans safe. But he did wish Herman Cain a speedy recovery from Herman's bad case of Democrat hoax. Um, Also, Chuck E. Cheese just declared bankruptcy. So don't tell me Trump's incompetence hasn't done anything for the public health. Hey, um, this is going to be very scattered because I'm very excited about Judah Friedlander on today's episode. Judah is someone I've known a very long time. We were in film school together, I think, many moons ago. And he's since gone on to such a great career. And then after he got famous, he became an even better performing artist. And his material has become so political, but it's always so funny first, never preachy. You may know Judah, of course, from his work in, uh, well, 30 Rock, right? Or uh, from his incredible role in American Splendor, opposite Paul Giamatti. Uh, He's a great artist. And maybe you know him from Wet Hot Summer. He's done a lot. But as a stand-up, he is his own genre. And uh, we're going to talk about comedy, about despair in this time. And we're going to talk about this strange new world of Zoom comedy and how it's helping comedians practice their craft while also helping audiences have the experience of being able to laugh around a bunch of people at the same stuff. Um, Hey, by the way, what do all these musicians and bands have in common? George Harrison, Twisted Sister, Elton John, R.E.M., Adele, The Rolling Stones, uh, Earth, Wind & Fire, Queen, uh, Tom Petty, Farrell, Rihanna, Steven Tyler, Pavarotti, Prince, and Axl Rose. All of them have sent cease and desist letters to Donald Trump, reminding him he does not have the right to use their music at any of his rallies or events. And most have added statements declaring they do not support him or his rhetoric or his policies. But of course, none of these artists seem to realize what so many women didn't realize Donald Trump doesn't care if he gets consent or not. This is also the week we learned that women have accused Fox News uh, and Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity uh, of sexual harassment. And they accused Ed Henry of rape. And I really hope this doesn't distract from all that Roger Rails and Bill Shine and Bill O'Reilly did to make Fox News a great place for women to work. Um, a couple other things. I just want to just blow up a couple of lies we've heard in the last couple of days. Um, and I'm sorry that I haven't done a podcast in a hundred years. It's been crazy folks. I almost got killed in an accident. Uh, I was hit by a van making my film for Stephanie Miller's, uh, sexy liberal show too. 
by the way, I hope you saw The Sexy Liberal Show. If you liked it, please let us know. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you can go to runtheworld.com or sexyliberal.com and, and download it. Um, my film was called uh, Pandemic Mullet. And um, I, it was during it that uh, I got smacked. And um, I'm going to tell that story and the story of what I was filming when I got hit by a van on my bike because we were doing a segment on all the racist statues that are in New York City. Statues of white supremacists, Jew haters, and Indian slaughterers that are here in New York as we demand Confederate statues be taken down. So that's going to come later this week. I really hope you listen to that one. But really quick, did you enjoy Donald Trump's um, embolism of an interview with Chris Wallace? I, I did. It's You wouldn't think you'd like to see Donald Trump exposing himself so many times as an ignorant unhinged racist who's profoundly stupid and is so used to yes men saying yes to his lies that when he gets challenged on one, he loses his shit and has no game whatsoever. I mean, the media, like just our standards are so low, right? Like every time Donald Trump gives a speech and he doesn't physically whip his dick out, the media praises him for being so presidential. Chris Wallace asked Trump, he didn't even ask Trump a basic grown up question. He, he, it wasn't a gotcha question. He corrected Trump on a lie. And it was so shocking to see a journalist say, that's not true, Mr. President, because Trump said Joe Biden wants to defund ISIS. And that's hilarious because you'll remember when Joe Biden said he didn't. I'm sorry, did I say to defund ISIS? I meant defund police. I was thinking of abolish ICE, abolish ICE, the immigration thing. And that's confusing because I belong to an organization called Abolish Vanilla ICE. So I'm very mixed up. Uh, I do support abolishing vanilla ICE and reforming ice. And I am smart enough to understand that uh, defund the police doesn't mean no more police. I'm not an idiot who drools on the clicker while watching that commercial Fox News keeps showing. But um, yeah, Joe Biden came out and said he didn't support defunding police and the liberals went crazy. And at the time he did it, I said, liberals, I understand why you're going crazy, but this is Joe Biden getting elected. Joe Biden doesn't need the liberals to love him. At the end of the day, liberals will say, well, I don't want Donald Trump picking the next three Supreme Court judges. I care about women's rights and the environment. I'll go Biden. But Joe Biden's trying to get white people in swing states to come to him. And how does the Democratic nominee always do it? By throwing the left under the parade float. It always works to some degree. You have to show the center. You're not that left. That's why progress takes a long time. But it's also why progress can happen. Joe Biden saying, I don't support defunding the police, ironically, helps because it'll be Joe Biden naming judges for the next four years instead of racist crazy face. So anyway, get, getting back to this, Chris Wallace didn't even ask him a gotcha question. He just called him out on an easily disproven lie that Joe Biden supports defunding police. And the same media that praises Trump for being presidential praises Chris Wallace for being such an advanced journalist. No, he just showed you how to tell the president that's not true. Do it more, journalists. Look how unhinged he gets. You'll get your you'll get your little prize. Don't worry. I mean, right now you got Trump. He's flailing around trying to smear Biden. And what's amazing is all of Donald Trump's attempts to smear Joe Biden have failed. He's had double digit leads in like seven consecutive polls now. And here's what Trump's doing. July 19th, he tweeted, the radical left Democrats who totally control Biden will destroy our country as we know it. Unimaginably, bad things would happen to America. Look at Portland, where the polls are just fine with 50 days of anarchy. We said it help. Look at New York, Chicago, Philadelphia. No. Like, OK, let's translate this for the non-stupid, because 
like this is the this is the argument he's trying to use that the radical left Democrats totally controlled Biden. The radical left who lost in the primaries and Joe Biden, the moderate they hate, got the nomination. They control him. You understand? So what he's telling the racist white people, uh, those radical left people who hate Biden also totally control him. And if he becomes president, they're going to have even worse protests against him than they're having against me. And they'll protest, they'll protest him worse against him than they protest me because they control him. Stay stupid, MAGA. There are more of us. Um, anyway, uh, finally, John Kasich, you know, again, with the liberals getting angry, he's invited to go speak at the Democratic convention. I get it. John Kasich sucks. John Kasich hates women's reproductive rights. He hates immigrants. He, he, he doesn't. He's the worst. I get it. But do you understand why they're having him do it? Were you this angry when Colin Powell endorsed Barack Obama? Were you furious that Obama welcomed the Colin Powell endorsement? Think about what's going on here. Trump has to be beaten in seven states. Joe Biden has to get white people who were dumb enough to vote for him one time to maybe not be dumb enough to vote for him twice. Women's reproductive rights and climate science being taken seriously hangs in the balance of this. So, yes, I get why they're inviting John Kasich. He still sucks. He still hates women's reproductive rights. He still sounds like that guy in Fargo who yelled at William H. Macy because I don't want to buy a car with that true coat. But it's going to help the cause, the causes progressive seek. I hate incrementalism, too. But I saw so many people I respect losing their mind that the Democrats are such sellouts. No, of course, they're sellouts. Sure, they're political parties, but they want to win. And having a, 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 the former governor of Ohio, who is more or less respected by most people, both parties, uh, just as a, a person who's civil, even if you disagree with him, I, I think John Kasich is wrong about most things, but I don't hate him. That is going to help make Joe Biden the person who puts the next Supreme Court judge on the court. It's not that hard to figure out. Please, please, please. This is how they do it. They run to the center. The only person who's never run to the center was Trump. And it didn't work without cheating. And it's not going to work this time because he seems to be merely running for president of the Confederacy. All right, let's get to Judah Friedlander. You love him from 30 Rock. It is a pleasure to welcome Judah to the podcast. We all know that the Clean Phone Pro with its powerful UV lights kills bacteria and viruses that live on your cell phone, car and house keys, credit cards, earbuds, face masks and more. But what happens when you're driving to the store, you reach for your face mask and realize you wore it yesterday? (sighs) Now you can sanitize that mask in under five minutes in your car because the Clean Phone Pro now ships with a powerful car plug adapter included in the package. So whether you're keeping safe at home or have to go out, you can have the benefits of the Clean Phone Pro with you and sanitize those constantly touched items anywhere, at home, in the car, or at the office. Get the Clean Phone Pro now with a car plug adapter. Add the code SEXYLIBERAL, all one word, at checkout, and you'll get free two-day shipping. Only you can defend yourself and your family from bacteria and virus. Get the new Clean Phone Pro package. Get KN95 masks and get free two-day shipping by adding the code SEXYLIBERAL. Go to the newdealshop.com. Hi, Judah. Uh, hello, John. It's great to see you, or should I say, hear you. It's great to hear you as well. I wish I could see you right now. Uh, Let me begin with the question I have to ask everyone, though, um, before we get to all the shows and and everything going on. How are you? 
How has this lockdown time been for you? Well, I'm crazy, but uh, thankfully, I'm all right. So uh, not complaining, just uh, trying to uh, fight for human rights as much as I can and stay safe and uh, keep doing uh, comedy and satire and stand-up, which is what I do. Yeah, and you do it so beautifully. I'm such a fan, and I've, I've discussed this many times. about. I've always loved your work, but I really love how your soul has come out more and more in your career. And I think that's true of, of, of most of the artists we like, and how this incredible humanity and compassion that has become synonymous with your work, but as your work has become more compassionate, the comedy and the edge has gotten sharper, which is a really, really amazing balancing act to pull off. But, but flattery aside, I want to ask you, without complaining, what is it about this particular time that is making you crazy? Well, I'm kind of crazy anyways. So, yeah. and, uh, you know, with, I respect. Par- with paranoia issues, OCD issues, depression issues, you know, it can be uh, challenging. But like I said, uh, I don't, I'm not complaining. Um, but, you know, it's, um, you know, it's historic times and it's, uh, it's complicated times. And it's, um, you know, between the pandemic uh, this country's horrendous uh, government response to the pandemic. And l- let's face it, even a lot of the general public um, not doing as good a job as they should be doing. Um, and I'm talking across all demographics, actually. I've yeah. seen every demographic being irresponsible. At every dem- We finally found what unites red and blue America, Judah, yeah. a complete indifference to medical advice during a plague. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like, uh, we're Americans. We're not going to listen to the nerds. Okay. Uh, we could have the cheerleaders and the quarterbacks running the country. We can't be listening <laughs> to the scientists, the nerds. Okay. And, yeah. uh, you know, that, that sort of anti-intellectualism that, uh, seems to be rampant throughout this country is, is, uh, not good. Um, so, so it's an interesting times because they're terrifying. You know, the the pandemic can be terrifying. Our government's response to handling the pandemic can be terrifying. And then the ongoing, um, you know, human rights abuses and oppression that our government has always had is is still terrifying and amplified. Uh, And then the uh, the increasing fascism is terrifying. Uh, However, the. You know, the uprisings and the protests that you have been seeing, uh, especially from from young people, um, is thrilling. You know, it's it's so inspiring and it's great to see, you know, big numbers. And uh, so so it's a time that that runs really, you know, almost all the emotions are very heightened. So it's uh, it's it's pretty amazing times. Yeah. I agree. I, I've taken to calling myself a recovering cynic. I, I can't call myself an optimist. Um, you know, I'm too I'm too in touch with depression and negativity for that. But I am a recovering cynic because I do recognize that uh, you know negativity is a habit. And like I, I've been thinking a lot about the movie Melancholia by by Lars von Trier. I don't know if you if you saw it with. Uh, no, I don't. Please oh, tell me. I know I know uh, the director, but I I don't know that film. Well, um, 
I recommend it uh, uh, highly. But again, you have to know what you're getting into with Lars von Trier's sure. Lars von Trier. Um, it's a film about depression uh, with Kirsten Dunst, who actually won the Best Actress Award at the Cannes Film Festival for this. And it was inspired by a depressive episode that Lars von Trier himself suffered. And it's about the end of the world. Um, and it's got a lot of great actors. Charlotte Rampling's in it and John Hurt and Selen Skarsgård. Udo Kier is in it. It's a crazy cast. Kiefer Sutherland is in it. Charlotte Rampling. It's a crazy cast. But more or less, um, they discover another planet, that there's actually another planet in our solar system that was always behind the sun, so we could never see it. And science has realized this planet is on a trajectory and may smash into Earth and destroy us, and we're all going to die, and there's nothing we can do about it. And in the first act of the film, it's Kirsten Dunst's wedding, where she is so depressed, she can't even, her marriage is over by the time the wedding reception is done. She plays an incredibly fearless performance of depression. And when the news comes, the world's going to end, her depression lifts and she becomes someone who is able to be her best self while the rest of the world loses their minds. And I've thought about this a lot, how I've talked to so many people who live lives of such um, intensity and, you know, depression is something that is an umbrella term covering many, many different ways of feeling. But so many people I've talked to who do grapple with depression, myself included, felt a certain weird sense of calm when everything went crazy. I, I find sometimes in, a, in an intense situation, the depressed people are the ones who are able to remain calm because they're ready for that level of intensity. And people who are more calm in real life can't handle it. Uh, depression, depressed people can often be the calm ones. And I wonder if, if you experienced anything like that when this began, aside from how scary and surreal it was, if it was interesting seeing the normal people be freaked out and full of anxiety for a while. You know, initially when it was starting, I think I had a little bit of confidence where I was like, all right, I'm already OCD. I'm already someone who's, uh, you know, perhaps too much of a pessimist. But uh, no, I, 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 I felt it was often just terrifying. Yeah. 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 Because it's, it's, you know, there's also, you know, I think there's so many people who still, to me, it's always surprising how there's still so many people who, who don't, I mean, they, like as soon as the government says, Hey, bars are open. They're like, great. And, and you, not, not even questioning it. You know, they're just like, great. They say the bars are open. Let's do it. You know? And, you know, other countries are, are shutting down if they have a hundred cases, you know, and we have states that are not shutting down if they have 10,000 cases, yeah. you know, so it's, you know, when, when you look at, when you look at some countries and they've had, you know, countries of millions of people, especially, you know, East Asia, where they, they've had less deaths than any of our states, uh, it seems like is, or, or yeah. maybe certainly most of our states is, it's it's actually shocking, and and it just it's just so so many people don't realize that that we're still such a in general an insular narcissistic country, you know, where people so many people just aren't seeing the bigger picture. I remember there was an article a few weeks ago, and they're like, "Oh, Seoul, Korea is spiking again," and then you read the article, and they found uh, forty six new cases. They had been, yeah. you know, I think zero or like under ten. And now it was 46 and they tracked every single person and, and the, you know, they, they were able to get things more under control. It's like, meanwhile, we're, we're we have states that are getting a thousand a day and those states aren't even making the news. 
Exactly. I think that's what flipped me out and keeps every time I keep thinking I'm, I'm getting a handle on this emotionally. That is exactly what flips me out when, when it first began. And I mean, with, when the Trump election happened and it seemed like, oh, my God, we really are this dumb. The dead slave owners guaranteed an electoral college. And because of that, the reality show pussy grabbing landlord who stole from vets and can't stop lying now has the nuclear codes. We are a laughing stock of the world. And then for like three years, I was so inspired by all the resistance we saw, everything from the Parkland kids to, to you know, the Blue Wave and AOC and, you know, newsreaders who are suddenly becoming journalists. And, and just it brought out the best in so many people, even some of these conservatives who just, you know, I mean, they're still wrong about everything, but at least they're able to say this is wrong. And I got so inspired. And now I just look at the fact that it's five months into this thing. We lead the world in cases. We lead the world in deaths. And there's still no national strategy. And the rest of the world is all looking at us like, really? And and we don't even talk about the fact that, like, those are all countries. They have a strategy. We have this occupant who's told all 50 states to come up with a strategy. Yeah. Uh, and and so I mean, and, and you know, I mean after fair, World War, go ahead. To be fair, the the you know the federal government has also actively worked against states to make it harder for some states to. You're you exactly know, right. You know, You're exactly it, right. So when you have a government that is, and even now, you know, with the stuff that's going on in Portland, and now it looks like it's going to be other cities too. When you have a federal government that is openly saying they're they're working against you, and we're going to do things that are going to you know, that are unconstitutional and, and could harm you, uh, you know, that's scary stuff. And then when you don't even see a huge national outcry about it, it's, it's scary. And, and back to what you were saying with the pandemic, you know, when we were just talking about that, and I've been thinking about this the past couple months is, uh, you know, just like this country puts up with no universal health care, uh, guns everywhere. Um, and mass shootings happening very frequently. Um, I think having just an uncontrolled uh, disease that's um, pretty rampant is likely to just be another thing that uh, is uh, unique to the United States. Yeah. Um, well, or not, maybe not unique. I mean, there are other countries too, but there are so many countries who, who, who don't put up with that or don't have to put up with that. And this looks like it, it, it's possible. This could be just another thing that that is always uh, around. You know, I think you're right. I think you're right. And again, I, I, I see so much encouraging signs. I'm so inspired by so many people. Um, and then, you know, like when they tried the family separation policy and they were stealing migrant children. Right. They were literally taking children away like they did to the Indians 150 years ago. They were literally stealing children from asylum seekers and migrants who were Christian refugees of the border that they call illegals. And they were stealing these children and putting them into foster care in the States with no plans to ever return them to their biological parents. And there was such an outcry, they had to kill the program. And they had to start this process of trying to find out how to give all these thousands of kids back. And there was no process. They had to learn how to do it. But there was an outcry from the people. And, yeah. and that encouraged me. But we find out two weeks ago that Russia is paying for the murder of troops in Afghanistan and all all military intelligence confirms it. Our allies have been briefed on it. The Wall Street Journal confirmed it. 
And the president's only response is to say that all military intelligence are liars and do nothing about Putin. And I'll be honest, I really thought the American people were going to give a damn about this. And it's already forgotten like John Bolton's book. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's crazy, man. It's very crazy stuff. Yeah. So, you know, doing, um, you know, doing what I can to, uh, you know, get the word out, you know, I'm a comedian and, uh, I <laughs> do stand up largely. Which I do want to talk about. Yes. Yeah, no, no, no. But, but I'm saying it's like, you know, it's like, how do you fight back? You know, now normally I'm someone who goes to protests quite often. Uh, you know, I've been doing that for years with the pandemic, even though, um, you know, it's, it, it looks like there hasn't been, uh, a spike caused by the protesting, you know, uh -huh. I'm still, you know, with, with the pandemic, uh, and with how close, uh, people often are to each other. And even though it's outside, uh, you know, because of the pandemic, I'm not going in person to any of the, uh, protests. So I'm trying to, yeah. you know, uh, you know, my Twitter is, you know, I post some jokes here and there on Twitter and I'm, I post some stand up clips here and there, but it's mostly, you know, I'm reposting, uh, you know, serious articles about the stuff that's going on or information about here's a rally, here's a strike, uh, here's a march, you know, you know, stuff like that. Um, but when it comes to my own work is, which is, you know, satirizing everything that's, uh, you know, going on in the country and the world, um, I've been doing shows on since I'm, I, I, I mean, per, my personal take is right now in the United States doing shows in person indoors at venues is irresponsible. So yeah. I'm, I'm doing shows online and the shows actually work great. Uh, uh, I've been doing, I'm still doing some other promoters shows, but I've started self-producing my own shows and I'm doing about two a week. And I usually do one that's, um, nighttime for the u.s and then i usually do one that's daytime for the u.s but nighttime for europe and uh so so that's how i've been been doing that um so and this and the zoom shows are great because you can you can set it up so that as a comic you can you can see and hear the audience members the audience can all see and hear you and then the audience members have a choice they can remain unseen and unheard or they can remain seen, but not heard, or they can remain heard, but not seen. So, and so, so you can actually do crowd work. So, and, and it's a different kind of crowd work because the people often have their names. Um, when, when you, there, there's two ways to basically if you haven't watched a show on zoom. There's two ways to watch it. It's, it's the, uh, the spotlight view where you're just watching the performer or you can put it on gallery view where you can see like little thumbnails where you'll see the performer and you'll see the other audience members. So I can actually do, do crowd work. So I, I can uh, talk to a couple sitting on a couch and I can ask them questions about the painting on the wall behind them. And, exactly. it, and it's a lot of fun. And there's only two issues with zoom that make it a little weird, but it still totally works. There's a slight lag. Um, like sometimes you'll do a joke and you'll see one person laughing right away. And then you'll see another person just staring at you blankly. And then a second later they laugh and then someone else 
will laugh a half a second earlier than that person, but it, it still works. Um, so it's, it's great. Um, so I've been doing, you know, I, I do about a 60 to 90 minute set. I make the tickets a donation based ticket. It's a minimum donation of $1 and you, you, so you pay whatever you want. So, and I'm doing them, uh, every week I have one this Saturday. Um, it's 11 AM Pacific, 2 PM Eastern. So it's 7 PM for the UK and 8 PM for Europe. And, uh, and I'll probably be adding another one this week. That'll be nighttime for the U.S. It's amazing to think about you doing crowd work on Zoom because I've seen you do sets that were nothing but crowd work, and you yeah. weave material beautifully. And in a club, you just have the person's appearance in the front two rows, but on Zoom, you have their appearance, their name, and their entire living room decor. There's so right. much more to play with, <laughs> right? So it's it's really a lot of fun, and. Uh, so it's and it really feels like a like if I'm doing crowd work, you know, throughout the show, the audience kind of gets to know each other as well. So it's um, it's fun. So it really because comedy stand up comedy does not exist without the audience. It just doesn't exist. It can still be comedy, but it's not stand up comedy without the audience. Because to me, stand up comedy is a mix of a of a monologue and a dialogue. It's it's, yeah. it's somewhere of a, a combination. Um, and with Zoom, you, you can have that. So it's been great. So I got like, you know, I basically had to make like my own little, uh, performance venue. You know, I have a, I have a, a backdrop on the wall that I put up. Uh, I got my, this is the first time I've ever owned a microphone and a mic stand. I've been doing stand up for 30 years. I've never owned a mic stand or a microphone. I just, I just bought a mic stand last month. Awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so yeah, so I got a, so I, you know, I hooked that up to the computer and then I got a, you know, I got like a 50 foot long um, Ethernet cable so I can get a strong, uh, you know, Internet connection. And uh, it's it's been and, you know, I did a show last week and I had people from at the show. I had people from Peru, Norway, Germany, Spain, England uh, and throughout the U.S. and Saudi Arabia, all all like on one show. So it's it, it's it's been really uh it's been really enjoyable and i've been doing mostly new material just from the past you know four months right that's fantastic yeah. i have many questions because i i'm so inspired you're doing this um partially to get your 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 you know message out there but also because uh, it's really fascinating seeing what you're doing in this brand new art form aesthetic that is emerging in the world that is comedy on Zoom. And it, it's a whole different discipline from, you know, traditional club comedy. And there are so many new challenges and so many new rewards. Uh, I'm curious, how did you choose your physical set? Like you mentioned the backdrop. Like, did you conceive of how you wanted it to look? Because it's, yeah. it's a club where you get to pick what the stage yeah, looks yeah, like. Yeah, no, no, yeah. So uh, I'll tell you. So if you watch my shows, sometimes people are a little shocked. They'll see my background. and it looks pretty cool, but it's literally, you know, it's probably 20 cardboard boxes taped together with masking tape up against the wall. So it looks like I'm in this giant cardboard box. And what inspired me on this was, well, it's a couple things. Just like my stand-up uh, movie that I have on, on Netflix, I did that in a very low-budget kind of a way. And 
I always view stand up comedy that way. It's, it's it's a small platform, low budget art form. It's very old fashioned. It's just a microphone and someone talking and then people listening. That's it. You know, very very simple. So so initially when the lockdown happened, there were a fair amount of telethons on TV. And it, it was usually, you know, celebrities, very wealthy celebrities singing, acting very serious, yet they're in their mansion and they're in their, <laughs> you know, 100 meter uh, swimming pool in the background. And and I'm like, this is ridiculous. You're, wow. You don't even realize how insane this looks. So I'm like, I'm going the opposite. I'm going to make, you know, because I've always had this sort of do-it-yourself you know, guerrilla film style, punk rock style, you know, low budget. And so I'm like, all right, I, I've been getting stuff delivered. I got I got cardboard boxes. I'm just gonna make that the wall. And it uh visually it, it looks good too. So so that's my backdrop. And uh and then I got my mic stand. It's like a regular kind of mic stand you'd see in a venue and, and microphone. And uh and then I and I bought a light. I bought a light. It's just I just bought this old fashioned kind of you know those clamp lights. You know, yeah. that you offer construction. Yeah. I bought a, a light stand so I can get it a little high up. And then I just got that light, and that's it. You know, and I'm still tweaking things as I go. But yeah, you kind of have to, you know, because I'm someone who hasn't had much of an online presence uh, because I, you know, I focus mostly on just live performing. But since I'm not performing at physical venues right now, I'm, uh, you know, I kind of have to create my, you know, just, just do everything. You know, you become the promoter, the, the owner of the venue and, uh, and the, and the performer, you know? So, I mean, obviously still the performer, but you got to do all these other things that you normally didn't do. Yeah. Absolutely. And by the way, everyone can go to uh, see Judah's show. Uh, there's going to be a live stream this coming Saturday, the 25th. Go to eventbrite.com uh, slash e slash Judah hyphen Friedlander. Yeah, go to my website. It's easier to just go to my website. Just judahfriedlander.com. It's on there. So. Fantastic. You know, yeah. it's interesting. That's what I do. Just to get back to your question, though, that's yeah, what yeah. I do. I do the show on Zoom, and then I sell the tickets through Eventbrite because it makes it um, – it just makes it so much easier. So when people buy a ticket to my show, and like I said, it's donation based. It's a minimum of a one dollar donation, but other than that, you can you can pay whatever you want. And so when you when you I have it set up this way, so that when you buy the ticket, um, you get an email confirmation right away, and then about an hour before the show starts, um, you will get an additional email with the link. Uh, to watch the show on Zoom. So I do the show on Zoom, but do the ticket selling on Eventbrite just right. because it's set up to, you know, this way. Otherwise, you know, I'd have to email every person back individually, but with Eventbrite, they take care of all that. So, oh, and they great. don't, Eventbrite, the people buying the tickets, I I have to check it, but I believe the people buying the tickets don't have to pay the fee from Eventbrite. I, I think I cover that, but I'm not sure. But it's not much, whatever it is. I mean, it's like, I think it's like 2.5%, whatever it is. So I want to ask you one more question about, about Zoom comedy, because uh, I, I think it's so interesting what you're doing. And it's so positive, because I found on the couple of shows that I've done or that I've watched, the audience is often so surprised and delighted at how 
fun this experience can be. And it really, it's not going to a club, but you do have a sense of community. You're laughing with other people and hearing them laugh. It's not a laugh track on a song. It it really is, you know, as interactive an experience entertainment wise as we can get right now. Did you watch like some zoom comedy before you began doing the specials to get an idea of what you didn't want to do? I've seen a lot of comics who just are in front of their own putty colored wall on a webcam and, and it's, you know, there's no real performance element to it. Yeah, you know, I I did watch a fair amount because I when I initially heard about it, I was like, "How the hell is that going to work?" And and then I watched some, and it was a real mix. There were some where I watched it, and I was like, "Oh, this sounds this seems almost exactly like a regular show at a comedy venue." Yeah, and and then I talked to some comics um, who had been doing them and who were, you know, more tech savvy than me. And, you know, they were, they were saying, and as a performer, there are some things you can do, like the the way you set up your microphone and your audio settings that you do within zoom to make it sound a little better or to look a little better. And, and then there are some comics who have, you know, a webcam so that their visuals a little better. There are some that have that they they buy a, a device that hooks up to a professional video camera or DSLR camera, and then they use that camera so they can yeah. have a really nice image. But there, there, there's so many different technical things with that. Um, but but just as a as a as the way the shows are produced, I, I've seen a few different styles. There's basically one where they'll have it as a they'll do it through Zoom, but then they'll they'll make it like a webinar. So that none of the audience can interact with the comic, and they can only see the comic performing, and you don't hear the audience, and you don't see the audience, and then the audience can um, write questions or type in laughing emojis in the uh, in like the in like a chat room, and I'm like, what is the point of that? It, it's like Zoom is set up so people can just all see each other and talk to each other. So why are you making it more of a, of like a computer chat room experience? Just, you don't, you don't really have to do that much. Just, just put it on zoom. And if the audience, you tell the audience members up front, if you're in a quiet area, you know, feel free to put your camera on so that people can see you and that, so they can hear you. Um, Now, what is a good thing to do is when you're producing the show, hire somebody to run the tech. This is sort of like analogous to a manager at a performance venue. You're right. Uh, so, so basically, because sometimes people's computers, unbeknownst to them, will create like an echo effect, and then everyone watching can hear that. So you have to hire a tech person to basically yeah. oversee the room. And so whenever, if someone's computer starts acting crazy, your tech person can go there and mute that person's microphone. Or right, you can chat saying, yeah. right, right, exactly. Because because you know if you have fifty people watching the show, and and if you're performing and you have to look for that, you're mm-hmm. going to basically have to stop performing. Uh, to, right, to you do can't that. break your set to go figure out who's got a window you need to mute. Right, now. right. So for every show that I produce, I always hire someone who's who's doing the tech, and a big part of the tech is just making sure that. Um, people's computers are not causing a problem. And then there might be some person who, you know, they, they, they have a little kid, you know, they're watching it, but they have their little kids, 
you know, running around making a lot of noise. So it's like, you just, you just tell them to mute, you know, and then, uh, so, but as long as you have 10 to 20 people unmuted and you can see them, it's totally, mm-hmm. totally works. I love it. I, I, I really, really am so excited about what you're doing, not just because it's entertaining, but it seems like you're really having a good time doing it. Oh yeah. So much fun. So much fun. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to ask you, uh, what's your life like these days, Judah? Like what's a day in the life like for Judah Friedlander during? I'm trying to get busier. Sometimes, you know, you know, there's too much fear and too much depression and and I don't, I don't get nearly as much done as I should. Um, So, but yeah, it's mostly, you know, and to be honest with you, some of it, it's almost like I'm going to online technical school, you know, trying (laughs) to, learn microphones and learn cameras and you know so i'm watching you know how to youtube videos all right like all right how do i you know i I mean the other week two weeks ago i was literally just spending hours trying to figure out how to use my cell phone as a webcam because the cell phone actually has a better image camera than laptops do that's true so, but okay. I, and I tried hooking that up and I'm still going to play with it. So, so I had to buy, th- I think th- basically you have to have three connectors to hook up your phone and, t- and to use that as a uh, webcam. And it looked much better, so much better, but it looked like it might've been freezing up a little bit here and there. So even though it was a great image, it was freezing a little bit. I'm like, I don't want to screw around with that. The laptop camera isn't the highest quality camera, but it's not creating any delays or freezing issues. So I'll just, so for right now, I'm just staying where I'm at, but yeah, so lots of things like that. And then, uh, you know, I'm the type of person, you know, who, you know, once a week, uh, we'll get to the store, get groceries or, uh, you know, and then, um, you know, or, you know, someone else in my family will get groceries. And then I spend literally three to five hours cleaning the groceries before putting them, you know, in the fridge or the shelf, you know, uh, even though I know, you know, the disease seems to mostly not be spread by touching things. It's like, I still like, I I don't want to take any chances. So I'm like, you know, so yeah. So right before we were talking, that's what I was doing. I was, you know, uh, wiping down, uh, groceries. Wow. So, so once a week you go grocery shopping, do you, do you leave the house other times? Do you go for walks or are you trying to just stay I in? I go for walks every day. Yeah. I try to do, uh, you know, two walks a day and, uh, yeah. Great. Um, I, I want to ask you one more thing, Judah, and I thank you for being so generous with your time and I'm going to keep going to, to watch this, this weekend. Um, what do you think we're looking at here in terms of a, a movement of getting people who aren't fans of Joe Biden to be really excited for Joe Biden. And by that, I mean both uh, Republicans and liberals. You know, it seems like the only hope to keep Donald Trump from putting three more Supreme Court justices up, and one of them would include Scott Bayo, I assume, is that we have to get people who have not been excited about the Biden campaign to be excited about it. Is, is yeah. that where you stand, or well, is it enough yeah. we're excited well, to be against Trump? Yeah, that's an interesting point, because... Uh... And it'll be interesting to see, like people, people to the left of the Republican Party, 
and to the left of the Democratic Party, um, what are they going to do? You know, um, and then there are the people to the right of the Democratic Party, the Republicans. What are they going to do? Um, and that's interesting. And I and I don't know. Um, but I think people, and I and I've been thinking this for a while. I think, you know, on the left, there's, you know, there's a lot of podcasts, a lot of YouTube shows uh, about, you know, that are, that are left based, basically, you know, to the left of the Democratic Party, and um, and I pretty much appreciate all those shows. Uh, However, I think sometimes those shows, they, cause it's, it, you know, they, they already assume that everybody, uh, does not like the Republican party at all. So they spend most of their time criticizing the democratic party. And I think what can happen is, especially if, you know, people have viewers who are new to politics, if, if, if they're constantly just, just criticizing the democratic party, because exactly. they assume that you already know the Republican Party is is more dangerous, but I think sometimes a lot of the the viewers and the watchers start to think that it's the Democrats are the bigger problem. Exactly. Um, so, uh, so I, I do, and then the other issue is, you know, I think we live in a society more and more where people they know what they want and they don't want anything else. And so many of them are used to getting it right away. And I'm talking, you know, the app culture, the credit card culture that we're in, you know, where, um, you know, even if you can't afford something, you can put it on your credit card. Uh, mm-hmm. You want uh, groceries? Oh, you don't have to go out and get them. You can just touch this button. They'll come right to you. You want music? You don't have to go to the record store and search and search. And, oh, they don't have your record in. You come back the next day, see if they got it in. You don't have to do that. You just click a button and you got it in a second. So, so when you have a candidate like Biden, who, um, even though you might be a person be like, well, he's, uh, I, I, he's definitely, I don't think he's as bad as, uh, as Trump, but, uh, he's certainly not someone I like. Um, and you're just going to then ignore that. Um, you're, you're really aiding someone like Trump, you yeah. know? <laughs> so, so, so I think to, to vote for Biden you don't have to be excited about him. You don't have to like him. But if you realize that's not going to be nearly as bad as the situation that the country's currently in, I think you should vote for him. You know, so, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's almost like, you know, you know, like, like you know, human. So that's what I'm saying is just just because you're just because someone votes for Biden doesn't mean you have to endorse them. You know, that right. doesn't that doesn't mean you're endorsing all his ideas. That doesn't even necessarily mean you think he'll be good. But do you and think he's better than the other choice? Do you think he's better than the other choice that's being offered? That's all I'm yeah. saying. So yeah. it you know, the country is uh you know, if you look at how the pandemic is being handled in this country, and then you look at other countries that are also doing badly. They have something similar, and you know it's it's a tyrant uh, that doesn't believe in science, you know, and uh, th- those are the countries generally that are not doing well with the pandemic. And then you look at the countries who are doing well; they're countries that generally their elected officials believe in science, 
and then they tell people uh, what the scientists think you should do, and then generally the people listen. Uh, so, uh, you know, so with, with Biden, I think you're much more likely to have that, you know, uh, and I'm not talking about all the other issues, whatever you want to bring up about them. There's, there's, you know, almost endless valid criticisms of them, you know? Um, so, but if you're looking at the two choices that are offered, um, one of them is, is not a fascist. And one of them would listen to science. So <laughs> I think I think that's that that makes your choice. And just because you vote for Biden, you know, the second after you, the, the next day, you can start uh, criticizing him. You know, that, that just because you vote for him doesn't mean uh, you're 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 his fan, you know, but uh, you can. You, I, I said what I said. So, yeah, but absolutely. you know what I mean? But, well, so. I mean, no, I think it, it's very inspiring. I mean, I and I, I really admire how you are getting through this crazy personal and professional time, uh, yeah. both with, trying, you know, it's, it's a struggle. I'm trying. Yeah, but you're 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 not going negative and you're not going cynical and you are letting. Well, I probably am. I'm still pushing through and fighting against it. But that yeah, does. But you, wouldn't be doing, you wouldn't be doing the kind of material you're doing. You wouldn't be doing the kind of material you're doing if you were true. cynical. That's true. Maybe and also, thank you for thank you for helping be part of this revolutionary artistic wave of Zoom comedy. It really is turning into a real genre, and I'm so inspired by what you do. You make me want to try do my own special. It's just really, really great to hear what you're doing. Thanks, man. Thanks, thank man. You. So everyone needs to see Judah Friedlander's show this Saturday on Zoom or go to Judah's website anytime for a full listing of all the shows. And I don't have to tell you this, guys. It's a different show every time. You're not going to hear the same material over and over. I don't know how you connect to the source the way you do, Judah, but it's thrilling to watch. And hey, thank you for coming on my podcast. Thanks, man. Much love, John. And I'm glad you're well. And keep up the great work you're doing, buddy. Thank you so much, Judah. We'll see you very soon. And we'll be right back. You're parked outside the restaurant where you're meeting your date in 10 minutes. Glancing in the mirror, you notice your wrinkles and large under-eye bags. You rummage through your bag thinking, where's your secret weapon? And there it is, Plexiderm. You apply the clear serum under your eyes and boom, two minutes later, you start seeing the under-eye bags and wrinkles disappearing in front of your eyes. You'll look years younger. Plexiderm is the clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags in minutes. It's the Valentine's Day gift you give yourself. Go to TriPlexiderm.com and enter Voices for 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. Again, enter Voices at TriPlexiderm.com to get 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mention code VOICES. Plexiderm is backed by a 90-day money-back guarantee, so to get our special discount, enter Voices at triplexiderm.com. Thank you, Judah Friedlander. Please go to his website and watch his specials. Okay, Kim Carnes just turned 75. When she released Betty Davis Eyes, the actual Betty Davis was 73. I have nothing to say. I just wanted to make us all feel old. Um, I want to thank all you guys for listening today. Please, please, please subscribe to the podcast and give us a good review. Uh, please go to johnfugelsang.com and check out my merch. Please, please uh, check out the uh, Sexy Liberal Virtual Tour Part 2. I had a really good time making our film. We are releasing a special in the fall. It is going to be a film shot on the empty and then way too crowded streets of New York on an iPhone. And it's going to be really exciting. So uh, look for that. In the meantime, I'm on Sirius XM every night. 
uh, Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. to midnight Eastern. We've been having some great guests this week alone. Uh, how's this for diverse? Our guests include uh, Gordon Lightfoot, Songwriting Hall of Fame. He's 81. Uh, Rachel Bittekoffer, who's the smartest person in the game right now on voting. Uh, we're going to have Reverend Barry Lynn, who's been on this show, former director of Americans United for Separation of Church and State. Juan Williams of Fox News and NPR. Uh, and, you know, the token same person on the five. Uh, Patricia Heaton, star of Everybody Loves Raymond, who is one of the greatest sitcom actresses of all time and quite a conservative. But I get along with her really well, and we have some amazing debates on religion and Ambassador Wendy Sherman. So that's on SiriusXM every night. Please, please check us out. I want to thank uh, everyone at the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Thank you, Chris Lavoy, and thank you, uh, Jen Hagerty, for recording this. And thank you again to the great Tudor Friedlander. I'm John saying, and remember, Trump's not the Antichrist, but Christ is the anti-Trump. And uh, God bless Karl Reiner. I got to work with him a few times. He's the reason Steve Martin's a movie star. He's the reason we have Rob. His goodness is like the Big Bang. It keeps expanding. Peace.